0: Hello and welcome to the Phileas Club, the show where we get people from around the world to tell you how they saw the news from the past month or so. This is episode number 41 for November 2011. Hello everyone and welcome to the Phileas Club. This is the show where we gather many, many people from around the world. We tell them we're, we're meeting on Skype at this, on this day, at this time, and they show up and we discuss the news. Except sometimes they don't show up and we just get Tom. How's it going, Tom? <laughs> I am the
1: world. <laughs> so we uh, were yes. supposed yeah. I I feel bad. Well, I don't feel bad. But, you know, I have done this to you before where I was supposed to show up and then I overslept and forgot and spaced out. Uh, So I was I was making sure that I didn't forget and that I was here this morning. Uh, And I was actually looking forward to to chatting with uh, with uh, Turkey. I, I, you know, I haven't I haven't had a chance to be on the show with him in a while. I always enjoy conversing with him. So I'm sorry he's, he's absent.
0: Yeah. See, you know, that, that Saudi guy, I always knew he was going to sabotage my, my November show. You mean saudi Taj? <laughs> Took me a second to, to get it there. Because <laughs> it um, didn't make any sense. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> pro- probably, possibly. Uh, he might show up during the show. It's happened to him oh, before. I hope so. But um, yeah, let, we're, we're not going to count on him. And we're going to have sort of a... Uh, mini um mini show it probably isn't going to be as long as it usually is and uh, we're still going to have him uh on the show somehow because we're at some point going to be talking about turkey day except it's, it's spelled <laughs> different
1: except not turkey day but yeah. turkey. turkey
0: so for those who don't know his name is spelled uh, with an i at the end and uh, it's very funny when i get emails uh Talking about uh, turkey with an ei because I always <laughs> think about the you know lovely stuffed animal you Americans mm. eat Basically. for Thanksgiving. Um, all right, so we'll we'll get to Turkey Day at some point, and the fact that that name annoys me to no end. But uh, first of all, there's serious things happening in the U.S. Uh, no, not in the U.S., in the world. And uh, I guess so for the past few months, we've been talking regularly about uh, the Arab Spring, of course, and the revolutions and all of that. Um, and most of the important events in the world, uh, I feel, have been the continuation of that trend. Um, there's, of course, uh, the the uh, revolution sort of restarting in Egypt, uh, the Arab countries getting sort of tough on Syria more than I would have uh, expected them to. And I think that that sentiment is shared uh, in many places. And then there's the uh, Morocco, M- Moroccan. Can you say that? Moroccan? Yeah. Elections um, that have uh, that are taking place this very weekend. And And don't uh, forget the
1: concessions in Bahrain and and Yemen.
0: That's yeah, absolutely. Um, And and, you know, leadership is uh, starting to get eclipsed by the constant, you know, the unrelentness. That's also a word I'm not sure exists. Unrelenting. Um, Unrelenting <laughs> right? yeah. uh, resolve of the people. So uh, I don't know if we can, you know, let's, let's go scattershot and discuss uh, whatever you think is appropriate amongst all of these um, topics, which are very much linked. Um, so I've been talking about this for a few months. Maybe you want to give us your uh, view on it and the way uh, it's been reported on in the U.S. in the past few weeks.
1: Sure, I mean, when you add in the Occupy protests in the United States and also elsewhere around the world, it it the 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 entire planet is sort of like in the game of civilization when you haven't been keeping <laughs> uh, your cities happy enough, and all of a sudden they're all in revolt, and production goes down. And I mean, it really is a real world representation of that. We have not been keeping people happy. Uh, there there is bad. Uh, economics uh bad economic conditions and uh repression and people are are done with it in all manners of life so it's well it's uh you know you always ask me how is it being reported in your part of the world and i'm a horrible i always respond that i'm a horrible representation of yeah, that everyone says I that <laughs> don't watch television news at all not not at all. Not one little bit. I don't read uh, local newspapers except for hyper-local, like my neighborhood newspaper that tells me about like what's actually going to affect the water and, and the local events and the mayoral election. Uh, so, so I don't get that sort of local, like, oh, this is what Fox News is saying about it sort of thing. Because I read the BBC and the Daily always, Telegraph uh, and get The Economist. Fox
0: News. What's you do? You do? (laughs) No, no, no. We always at some. You know, I guess you know it's the polarized uh, view in the U.S. And there's Fox News. Well, it's the most popular.
1: It's the most popular news channel. So if you if you were to say like how how is something being reported in the U.S. You would look to Fox News and say, well, they're the most popular news channel. They're Mm -hmm. the one everybody watches for the most part. You know, whatever they're saying about it is going to be what most people in the U.S. hear.
0: But I guess it is one, but the, don't they have, the, the way I I see the situation, the news situation in the US is that there's Fox, Fox News on one side, which usually have uh, quite an extreme view on things, and then there's everyone else. So sure, Fox News is one channel, is probably the most watched, but if you add up all the other ones, they might combine into something more um, you know, watched than Fox News alone, is that Uh, you know i I don't know what the numbers are and fox
1: news is not that extreme if if you take hannity and beck well beck's gone but if you take their columnists out of the equation and just talk about their news Mm. their newscasts are 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 probably from a perspective for sure uh but if you were to just watch a normal fox newscast of the straight stories of the day you you wouldn't you wouldn't call it extreme uh and, and i think no, no, no. I, uh, uh, it, does it have a Does it have a slant? Sure, but but it's not it, it's not extreme. It's it's Hannity and Combs and and uh, mm. O'Reilly and those guys who are responsible for Fox News getting the so called extreme. Tag applied to him. I don't even think O'Reilly is all that extreme, really. He, he's, he's firmly on one side.
0: Mm. Uh, yeah, it's funny because we always, the way, I mean, I don't, obviously I don't have Fox News here. And so the way I know Fox News is all those, you know, two minute clips and, right. and, and yeah, videos see, that are you shared the, around. You see which the is,
1: only yeah. the examples of the slant. Yeah. And you never see the examples of of the straight ahead stories. I mean, and, all all these folks well, working for Fox News used to work for CBS and NBC and ABC. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they're not they're not ideologues the way the commentators are.
0: I guess. Well, to be honest, it's not just that though. It's whenever you talk to people, at least you know, maybe I know some left, more left right. uh, slanted people, but they th- usually people agree that Fox News is. Not the kind of channel that, not even politically, um, that doesn't represent their views, but that they think is not um, objective or doesn't even try to be objective. They try to push an agenda as a whole channel. So maybe, you know, it's not just. Well, see, I'm coming at it from
1: a a media studies sort of approach, which is Mm. there isn't a channel out there that doesn't have a perspective. And it's very clear what Fox News' perspective is. But you, you use the word extreme, and I, right. don't, I don't think their perspective is extreme. Mm. Okay. Their, 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 their perspective that they report on uh, is Republican, mm. and uh, I think that's fair well, to say, but yeah. it's not necessarily Tea Party, uh, at least mm. again, and this is what's complicated about it, the Fox News news reporting versus the Fox News commentators. Is right. Glenn Beck, oh yeah, he's extreme. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, And like I said, not not on the channel anymore. Uh, Is O'Reilly extreme? Eh, You could you can make the argument. I don't really think he's that extreme, but he's he's far to the right uh, for sure. He at least can be reasonable. You know, he can sit down with the president and and have a a civil conversation. Right. I'm not sure that Glenn Beck would be possible uh, for, for him to do that. So, yeah, I think Fox News as a whole gets that. Argument because they have entertained and encouraged those more extreme positions, uh, right. if, if you will. Uh, the same way MSNBC is, it could be considered extremely left because they have co- commentators uh, who do shows like Rachel Maddow who are far to the left. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that MSNBC or NBC News is extreme. Uh, MSNBC... That- the, the MSNBC are, News
0: has a perspective that is uh, slightly liberal. It's just that the, the guys that are far to the to the left seem so much more reasonable.
1: Well, if you if, you're, if, you're from tend, if your if your uh, beliefs guess. tend their way, of course <laughs> yeah, they do. Of course, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah I understand. <laughs> but uh, that you know, it's it's. Uh, I guess we're veering off from the from the topic of the the topics of the month. But um, I, we were discussing socialism um, with with Scott last month, with uh, Scott in Turkey, and I was trying to say, you know, the um, the fact that socialism has become such a bad word in the U.S. is very strange to us because socialism is not that far from, you know, there's a very clear distinction between socialism and communism, and we also consider communism crazy. Well, right. okay, maybe not, you know, it's, it might be a little bit different, but um, socialism is just, it's still a market, uh, uh, based economy and, and uh, um, you know, they're, they're, they are very similar. The doctrines of socialism are quite close to the doctrines of capitalism as it is implemented in our Western countries. And the, the other thing that I wanted to mention at that point was it's strange to me that there's such a hatred towards um, left-wing views because, and maybe even you can put that argument in the, you know, you can get the argument the other way around. But because, honestly, it's not like you're, when I say you're, you know, no healthcare, for example. If you you, you wanted to not have socialist healthcare, things would be better in the, you know, it. Oh God, I'm not even making sense. <laughs> so, basically, the, the, in the healthcare debate in the U.S., it was like, socialist healthcare is the uh, bane of existence and our way is so much better and, you know, it works better. Sure, maybe you don't get get healthcare, but you keep your money. And the thing is, even th- that, for me, that argument doesn't make sense at all, not just because it's unfair or, you know, we don't... It's not some kind of hippie argument that we have to be fair and help people. It's that your system of unabashed capitalism with no... ...government interaction whatsoever... ...or at least, you know, what you would like to do... ...when I say you, I mean mostly Republicans in your country... um, ...is it doesn't yield better results... ...like healthcare costs a lot more in America... ...than it does in European countries... ...and it doesn't have better results on the country's health... ...so even the argument that it would cost too much to the country... Doesn't really stand, and in that sense, I'm bringing it back to the argument about Fox News and and the left slant and on MSNBC. For me, when you look at the at the numbers and sort of you know as much as you can on at the facts, it seems that the reasonable argument is to usually to be made against the views that Fox News uh, defends and that the Republicans defend. Um, at least in some areas. And I don't understand why it's being demonized so much. And maybe I'm, I'm not seeing the demonization of the right wing uh, on MSNBC, um, but it exists as well. Uh, do, do, does what I'm saying make sense? Or
1: Yeah, well, the, there's a million things going on with what you're talking about. I mean, the reason socialism has become the the naughty word uh in the united states is because we lost the word communism all all the debates in the 80s were pretty much the same as they are now but with communism in place of the word socialism but communism fell so you couldn't use it anymore and some brilliant uh right-wing think tank uh came up with the idea hey it's the union of soviet socialist republics and we've never been, you know, favor of socialism on our side anyway. So let's let's just push that one as basically the same thing. So they slotted that into the rhetoric. Uh, so that, that that's just a rhetorical trick that's going on, and a lot of so people. So when they say
0: socialism, they actually mean communism.
1: Well, they don't mean anything. They mean right. the thing I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> when they were talking about communism in the 80s, they actually weren't talking about communism. They were talking about big, scary, insulting word that I'm going to tar my opponent with. Uh, and that's all they mean uh, by socialism now see, as well. I don't because there are so many socialist aspects of the United States government, some of which are criticized by the Republicans and some aren't. Uh, mm. The socialist aspect of supporting corn prices uh, and and continuing to subsidize farming mm. is very strongly supported by the Republicans. Mm. Uh, that is entirely socialist, but you would never yeah. hear them admit to that. It's a, it, it's just rhetoric. Rhetoric. It's not mm. uh, it's not based in any kind of fact. Right. Hmm. I, and I so anyway, I think what's going on in the United States is we have reached a fever pitch. Uh, that was made. Emblem- it was emblematic in the super committee negotiations, right? Uh, we can't even get a committee set up with every advantage to come to an agreement. Uh, they didn't. They didn't have to cut much money, relatively sorry, speaking. I,
0: I, don't, I don't. know what that is. The super. Committee I'm sorry. Let me
1: back up and explain then. the super committee was set up by the president to cut 1.2. Uh, I, I want to say billion dollars but i think it was trillion dollars essentially less than 5% of the of the budget uh mm. to to cut to find savings and reduce the deficit by a very okay, small percentage that must be
0: billions then because uh
1: and the uh and the super committee was made of equal numbers of republicans and democrats they would whatever they decided Uh, would be put up to a majority vote, so there would be no chance of parliamentary maneuvers, no filibustering. Uh, Basically, as long as uh, the Senate approved it 50%, it would get passed. And there is a very severe repercussion of them not coming to agreement, which is that automatic cuts across the board would happen, including everybody's favorites. So whether it was entitlements like Social Security, whether it was defense, uh, everything would get cut across the board. Nobody wants that. So they had all the motivation to succeed. They had all the, the pathway eased. And they really didn't even have to cut that much money, relatively speaking. They couldn't come to an agreement. The two sides just would not budge. When did uh, the, that happen? Uh, that happened over the weekend in the U.S. Okay. So, so I'm sorry, not over the weekend. That happened on uh, Tuesday, I think. They finally agreed. They hit their deadline and said, we don't have an agreement. Uh, So now the automatic cuts go into place. The Republicans would not agree to even the slightest tax increase on anyone, including the richest. Uh, And the Democrats would not agree to any kind of restructuring or modification to entitlement programs, uh, no matter what. And so they got nothing done. They couldn't compromise. And that, to me, is emblematic of the condition we are in, which is much worse than the 80s, in that the two sides just won't work with each other. Anymore. How, how and I that think per- that has been encouraged by a system, a two-party system that, in my opinion, is really just a one-party system with, with two sides to it, uh, that pushes you to nominate and elect the extremes in each party rather than the moderates.
0: How did th- – because – how does the system push you to to put – someone who's extreme in place is it like the the way the the counties are divided or is it what's the yeah, reason it's,
1: it's it's a couple things in my opinion and again this is just my opinion uh, Sure, sure. the uh the primaries that we have are institutionalized now so it used to be that any party could come together and nominate someone and put them on the ballot right but what we've done now is we've institutionalized the two two main parties, Republicans and Democrats. It's very difficult, not impossible. It's very difficult for the other parties to get someone on the ballot. It is very, it is is, is law. You're talking in most about states.
0: The, the presidential election.
1: I'm not talking. I'm talking about Congress and Senate. Oh, okay, all right. Uh, but also the presidential election. The two parties are guaranteed the spot on the ballot. Hmm. They don't have to. They don't have to do anything except tell the you know the people you know tell the the folks who are the registrars here's here's who our party is nominating while other parties have to prove that they have enough support every
0: election well, so, well, they they the two main parties would get it anyway is it really like well, does, yeah, would they would. It change but things
1: in other words they and uh, the reason i bring this up is that what they've done now is created a primary system that is also institutionalized so the libertarians can go out and nominate their their party member however they want, whereas the the parties themselves have put themselves in a position where they're essentially running a governmental election but only for people in their party. If you are a Democrat, registered as a Democrat, then you can vote for the Democratic member. If you're a Republican, you can vote the Republican. If you're an independent, uh, you can in some states choose which party you want to vote for in the primary, but it, but it's usually, uh, th- those people don't vote. So what you end up with is the most extreme members, the most dedicated members of each party vote in the primaries. And that encourages the more extreme views to prevail mm-hmm. in the primaries, which means you get, the more extreme candidates tend to get nominated for the right. final election. And because, and the reason I brought up the institutionalization of the two parties, you don't get third parties uh giving any kind of realistic uh competition to mo- to possibly moderate the votes you get no- you get nothing on but that's the other not side because
0: that- it's institu, institu- institutionalized word. yes is it i mean a, a third party could theoretically if it gathered enough support it could still have a candidate on the ballot and, oh yeah and they what? have candidates
1: on the ballot but because it's institutionalized with the two parties. Nobody supports those other parties. It's just too difficult for them to gain enough acceptance to challenge. So all of the good talent in elections, all of the good talent for running for office, focus on the two parties because that pathway is easy. Uh, so that's, think, the pa- that's the pathway in.
0: Do you think there's a the, – the, the country maybe with that super committee has reached a point where – Government is actually stuck and things just cannot happen, or is it just a view of, oh, things are horrible today, they weren't like that in the 80s, and you know, we always think like that.
1: No, that's a really good question. And and just real quickly, the other side, besides the primary system, which I think is also a a reason we have these extreme sides, is what you mentioned about the way the, the voting districts are created, right? They're created politically. So they're not they're not created based on any kind of objective reality like population. They're carved up so that all the Democrats are in one district and all the Republicans are in another district. And they redistrict every every so often uh, to make sure that, you know, if a bunch of Republicans moved into one district, they redraw the borders, you know, to, to make sure that you're getting, again, the most extreme candidates for each side. Uh, put into office, we see this in the state of California, in the inability of our of our House of Representatives here, our our Assembly, to do anything with each other because they are so extremely separated uh, in the state of California, and so and we're suffering from that, and now the United States is suffering for that, and and yeah, in some ways it is sort of a like oh well the parties have already always been at each other's throats and they've always been bickering, so that's nothing new, but I, I do feel like it's gotten worse. Uh, hmm. The, the, the two-party system's defense has always been it causes compromise. Uh, it, it, it may cause a lot of overheated rhetoric, but in the end, you end up with something moderate because the two sides will come to a compromise in the end. Lately, they haven't. On health care, now with the super committee, uh, there has, has been either one side just f- forcing their view through uh, or no compromise at all in the case of the super committee. So now, now what we're looking at is the two sides can't compromise and they're not getting anything done. And, yeah, that happened in the 90s uh, with Bill Clinton and the government shut down briefly uh, because of brinksmanship. So it's not like it never has happened before. But it really does seem to me like the the older rhetoric was at least marginally, you know, respectful of the other Ooh. side. And, and right. now it's not. And maybe it was worse in the 60s and the 50s. Some people have told me, uh, you know, what, during, the, during George Wallace's days in the United States, uh, there were some very racist campaigns and the civil rights movement was
0: the same way. So it may be cyclical and we're just going through that period again. Right. Okay. And that is what the Arab countries have to look forward to in a, you know, a couple dozen <laughs>
1: well years. that you know honestly, the Arab countries really need to pay attention in setting up their government that they don't institutionalize these inefficiencies uh, that they that they do a modern version of of democracy with ranked mm-hmm. choice voting and and uh, proportional representation and and part of that re- is why. The protesters are out in Tahrir Square because they're unhappy with the constitution that the military has put forward that gives the military way too much independence.
0: Right, which too much control. And the the, the thing we've been hearing uh, the most about uh, uh, the the reignition of the revolution in Egypt is basically the people are just both disappointed and very worried that the – the the military is not going to abandon uh, the power that they've had. They they were told we're here for six months and we're going to organize the elections and then we're going to leave. And it's been nine months, so they're they're basically back on the on Tahrir Square to make sure to get them out. To ju- it's just it's as if uh, the events from a few months ago didn't even happen because well didn't get the the, the uh, protests weren't interrupted they just want to make sure that the revolution wasn't uh, done for nothing because if the military stays in place um, they just it's it's just as if uh, uh, Mubarak had stayed and, right. uh, and, and another his
1: cronies being put in place in positions of yeah. power
0: and all that yeah exactly and and one of the issues that they're unhappy about is the fact that they're it's it's it was very uh, interesting to hear this It's really about uh, age One of the, the criticism That the, the protesters are, uh, you know, are, are telling us To explain why they're so unhappy it's, Is that it's old people they want, It's the old people That were in place before And they want young you know, Obviously different people But the way they're, they're explaining it Is we don't want the old people um, so that that was something that sort of resonated a little bit he, with me Because in France, most of the time I guess Sarkozy is kind of young uh, I don't
1: know, man You're getting older You might need to switch <laughs> sides soon
0: <laughs> I am um, Well, you know, I think at this point I'm still young enough That I would be considered young in politics Maybe not okay. in other areas, though Yeah, yeah So, um, But yeah, so that, that was Obviously, it's been doing the... the being uh, on the front pages For the past, I don't know, I guess Week or so, when they started uh, Getting back into the Tahrir place, so that was <sighs> It's not like we're incredibly Worried, because at this point There has been some issues And some, uh, you know The the military has been using um, Excessive force I guess you can say And there's been incidents But It seems like the military is sort of testing the waters here. And if they do get some pushback, they are going to maybe not go away, but at least give in to the demands of the protesters enough that they will be happy.
1: The military in Egypt, and I am far from an expert on this, but from from my far away position, it seems like they are very tactical. Uh, They sensed which way the wind was blowing in the spring – and quickly sided with the revolutionaries uh, with sure. the protesters, and that that tipped the scales, but they knew that that was to their advantage now uh, they pushed things a little too far, and you saw them immediately come out with an apology yeah. uh, for for overuse of force, which I thought well mo- most militaries, if they 're really you know hell bent on taking over. Would have seen that as a sign of weakness, but the Egyptian military really seems to be like, okay, we, we pushed that a little too far. Let's back off. Uh, let's let's try to gain, you know, support for the elections. Uh, there is a, 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 a separate protest. I don't know how legitimate or how big it really is, but it's being reported that there's another protest in support of the elections. Uh, the Muslim Brotherhood is is not protesting. Uh, they're supporting well, the election, so it's that's, it's that's it's very less
0: tactical too.
1: It, well yeah, exactly, but it's less overwhelming than it was in the spring,
0: right? Because so, as you're saying, the military is doing what what sort of maybe the minimum but still the required minimum to keep things in control. Yeah, so yeah, it's, exactly. It looks it's it, like, it's very yeah.
1: tactical. Um so I, I think this is birth pangs in a way uh of a democracy. But the only thing that really concerns me is that the constitution gives no civilian supervisory powers over the military at this point. Sure.
0: And that that's has what, to yeah, change. Yeah. And that is, it's, it's really complicated matter though, because in, yeah. in, in these countries, I mean, at least in Egypt, the military also represents a large part of the economical, the economic strength of the country. You know, they, they the, a lot of the industries are owned by the military. So you can't really put them out of everything easily or even sure. quickly, even if you, you wanted to, institutionalize, institutionally. Uh, it's very difficult to do. Um, and, and the other thing that you're mentioning is the uh, Islamist uh, parties, which are being very quiet all of a sudden, and everyone wants the election to take place uh, very soon as it was uh, planned. And and the the Islamist parties have gone very quiet and are just keeping their head down, their heads down, and and because they know that they will most probably get uh, the majority of the votes. And it's the same thing in Morocco, which has been reported on quite extensively uh, in France, also in the past week, which is the everyone expects uh, the Islamist parties to be elected, and that's no surprise for you know for anyone because in these no, uh, countries it's yeah, and and one of the reasons this is where, you know, we, there is sort of ambivalent feelings because in in Egypt one of the reasons why the military is holding on to the power and making things a little bit muddy is that they know that the Islamist parties will get. Into power once the elections actually uh, happen And there were some terms in the constitution About the nature of the government Is it, you know, um, uh, uh, democratic Is it, uh, I I can't remember the precise terms But it was about Basically the crux of the issue was Could the Islamists, once in power Make it into an Islamist, you know, a, a Muslim government and in a,
1: egypt a, 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 yeah a religious
0: state right exactly um, and, and the the the, the military doesn 't want that to happen, so in that sense, f- coming from at least from France, where we're all you know atheists uh, uh, luddites we we see this as okay, of course, we want democracy and freedom, but on the other hand, if the the Islamists get into power what's going to happen to that democracy and freedom now it seems like the government should represent the population and obviously the population is going to vote for them so there's really nothing you can do you can just hope that the 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 system is going to evolve and the democracy is going to evolve into something uh more you know that that tends towards freedom rather than oppression but it's still a concern, I guess, is what I'm saying. And it's it's being mentioned sort of in a hush-hush way, in, in, even in the French media. You know, we're not coming out right saying, oh, my God, Isl- Islamists are going to take over the governments in these countries. But it's still being mentioned with concern, I guess.
1: I, I think in the United States, there are probably some outlets that are saying that Egypt is going to be taken over by Islamic extremists. Uh I don't. I don't hear it myself, but I see enough people in conversations on things like Google Plus and Twitter saying it that it must be out there. It must be being pushed right. out there because, while it is a concern. It's. It's not. It's not far. It's far from a foregone conclusion. And even if an Islamist party gets in control, that doesn't mean an extremist government is immediately taken hold. I mean, Morocco just elected an Islamist party. And everyone thinks that it was it was good because it's not the party that the king wanted. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so absolutely. It,
1: it, it just, you know, I mean, yeah, it, the Republicans and Democrats in the United States could be considered Christian parties because they espouse, you know, most of their candidates go to church and espouse Christian beliefs, but they're not extremist religious parties. Uh, well, I so think in the in the case of depends.
0: yeah, I think in the case of the uh, these governments in the Arab countries, you would expect the parties to enact laws that are, you know, that, that follow principles of the Muslim faith. In that sense, they would be more religious parties than. I guess there are a couple you mean of issues like, uh, and,
1: like some parties in the western world want to uh, enact abortion laws based on their religious
0: beliefs. That's what I w- was sure you were going to go to because it's accurate, but I mean there are a couple of sticking issues in the west that are yes, probably it's certainly more secular by, in the by, west. By, yeah, than,
1: exactly. Yeah. Uh, I w- I will grant you that for sure. Mm.
0: But uh, yeah, so the the the, the the feelings towards these are very ambivalent. So, because on one side we want freedom for them, but on the other side, if, if by the freedom they're, they're, they acquire, they go and elect a sort of gov- oppressive government, or that could become oppressive, or at least restrict freedoms, it, it's sort of difficult to accept as well. So, but but well, there's it's still, a
1: secular example of this in Russia. In what way? In that they had the freedom to elect uh, a party and they elected uh, a very restrictive party. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And and that is obviously an issue. I guess this is we come back to the Constitution and what that means for the the government that is going to be elected in the future. And that is one of the reasons why they are being very careful in Egypt about what they say for... Uh, about religion in government and uh, on the state. Um, And I guess one of the things that was very surprising, not very surprising but but somewhat surprising, um, was the way that the Arab countries are dealing with uh, the issue in Syria because they are being very... I think it's the... I'm going to speak for myself here. It's the first real uh, memory that I have of the first time that I can actually say that the Arab League and the Arab governments are acting strongly on a matter that is not directly related to oil prices. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's entirely possible that I'm completely wrong and that I really don't know that much about it. But yeah. It's, it's pro- probable. <laughs> uh, no, I,
1: I don't mean that you but, are uh, wrong.
0: I mean, like, I feel the same way <laughs> okay, when I start you.
1: making pronouncements
0: about this region for sure. But um, yeah, at least the way we're we're discussing it here is, it's almost like, okay, should we do something about Syria? Should we, like, what can we do? Like, economic sanctions? Should we do this or that? Of course, we're not going to send men uh, on the ground, although now this is sort of almost being discussed with a buffer zone with Turkey and things like that. And then all of a sudden, we turn around and it's like, oh, so the Arab League is taking care of it. All right. uh, Cool. Excellent. Go ahead. Uh, it's your, you know, you do it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I, I feel the same way as you as far as, you know, I, I, I don't want to pretend to understand all the undercurrents uh, and the stories behind the story in that region. But it seems to me that the various protests that began in the Arab Spring have had an effect on the governments in the Arab League. And it seems to me they're looking at Syria saying, you are n- a bad example right now. <laughs> uh, we need you to keep your population under control because we don't want this to spread and get worse in our countries. Uh, so we're going to put the hammer down on you.
0: Oh, so you think the reason is they want the, the revolutions to stop. So they're like, all right, you, now you do what they say because they're not going to go back home, obviously. And yeah. then everyone's happy and we can, you know, keep doing what we do.
1: I, I think there's an element. Obviously, it's, it's a very complex motivation sure. that drives them. But I think an element of it is if you mess this up in Syria, it could spread and get worse. Well, and
0: where can it spread, though? I mean, it's pretty much – sure, you have countries where, you know, you don't exactly have the freedoms uh, or the freedom of the Western world still sure, in the Arab countries. but. It's not like you have horrible dictator tyrants at this stage. I don't think you know. It's still more or less no, Maybe but, not uh, democratic. I mean, look, but
1: yeah, you look at Yemen. You look at Bahrain. You look, you know, you look at some of these these other countries that are now having their own protests. Look at Morocco. uh sure. they're, they're they're mild by comparison with Egypt, but they're bubbling up. And in Saudi Arabia. Is looking at its population, you know, with a kind of wary eye, like you, you, you are, you have no reason to protest, right? <laughs> if
0: only we had someone from that land to, know, to inform us need on turkey that situation. Right All right, um, yeah. So I guess it's it's still, you know, the main conversation in most uh, newscasts, and it's it's been uh, the case for a few. Um, For a few weeks and a few months obviously But I think at this point we're reaching At least the view we have of Syria It's like It's just a matter of time now There's no way they can Keep it Keep it up For a long time especially with the Arab League Being so forceful on the issue So and as you were saying Bahrain and you know All the countries where you had a strong dictator Have been more or less Dealt with By their population. And Syria is the last one. And after that, so of course you're going to have elections with probably uh, Islamist parties. But it's. We're reaching the end of that very tumultuous year. And the result is probably the best one we could have hoped for. I think.
1: I suppose so, yeah. Uh, I mean, we could always hope for even better. But, um, but I'm
0: probably not sure the how. best we could expect. Yeah. Well, you know, at this stage, I don't know really what we could have reasonably uh, hoped for other than this utopias. It, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's yeah, that's pretty much the 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 largest uh, part of the uh, of the news. Um, Everything well, in the United is- States,
1: the large part of the news is how great Black Friday was for the economy because people spent a lot of money and how the NBA has now reached an agreement and may start playing their basketball season again starting on Christmas Day.
0: All right. So you have to explain this to me. Um, I've sort of been hearing about the fact that the NBA was basically disbanded because uh, players were being – that. that's the way I, I sort of – Gl- uh, glanced at the news and the way I understood it. Players yeah, they, were being super greedy, and the NBA started negotiations, and when they saw it was going nowhere, they were like, okay, you don't want to do it? Fine. You're, we're disbanding. That's it. No more NBA. Bye.
1: Uh, well, no. Think uh, To put it in terms you can understand, <laughs> think of the NBA as the Metro uh, and the players in the NBA as the people of Paris uh, okay. and... The owners of the NBA and the, and the workers came to a disagreement, and there was a general strike. Okay, because that's what happened. It was a strike. They basically—I don't know if it was a lockout or a strike. I, I honestly haven't really followed it that closely. Okay. Uh, but they suspended the season. They said, "Well, fine. We can't we can't come to an agreement on your contracts, so we're we're not going to have the season."
0: What, uh, what did they want though? They wanted more money, or? It's always what they want. They, okay. they want better terms,
1: not not even just more money. It's it's essentially the players want uh, – again, I'm the, wor- it's the worst person to be asking about this because <laughs> I haven't followed it one little bit. All I know is the season got suspended. Okay. But I've followed enough other sports leagues that I can guess that what these are always about is the owners want more restrictions on what the players can do. They want salary caps. They want things that keep the the price of the players down, and the players always want more free agency, the ability to change their teams whenever they want, and and shop around and get the best deal, you know, and and drive up the price, uh, and and there's all kinds of other side things about you know negotiations for rights and this and that, but it always centers around free agency for the most part, uh, and and when they don't agree, either the players strike or the owners lock them out and say, well, if we can't agree on a contract with the union, then forget it.
0: We're, so, we're not going to do the season. Okay, obviously we're not big sports guys, uh, or I guess not uh, ba- basketball guys, but the question I can ask is, how is that it's, it's, a, it's a strike. It's workers going on strike to enforce their rights, and yes, the the the, the company has to shut down because of that strike, but it seems like a very socialist thing to do to get it back to where we were at the beginning. Um, yeah,
1: well, it's a lockout in this case. I just looked it up. Okay, uh, which means you know the the players were threatening to strike, uh, but they couldn't come to agreement on a contract, and so th- this has been more common recently in in the arena of sports, which is the league will then actually lock the players out and say, well, fine, if we don't have a deal, you can't play.
0: But I guess my question was. Are people siding with the players, or is it regarded as a horrible you know communist action, or is it yeah you know,
1: usually usually people um people side with the owners in these things because the players are seen as greedy, and that's mm. only because the you know you have those players that are making millions of dollars right uh, and and people are like, oh well, they're so greedy, you know, I want them to play now with the the trends to be less strike and more lockout recently
0: I don't What's know the if the tide has turned. What's the difference? I mean, okay. A A lockout lockout means means that the
1: owners are the ones responsible for the cancellation of the season. Okay. Uh, A a strike means that the players just won't show up. The owners are like, we'll we'll play the season, but the players won't show up. And then sometimes you see replacement players and they try to do a season without the, the players. But lockout, which is what happened with the NHL, Last year, and what happened with the NBA this year is the owners saying, Well, no, we're not going to hold the season until we, we get mm. this settled.
0: And is it in the case of the players when the owners end up saying, All right, you won? You know, if that's what you want, lock out. Do they go, Oh, crap, they actually did it. Okay. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a, neg- it's a
1: negotiating tactic, exactly. Mm. Okay.
0: All right. And uh, I guess the other thing, uh, which actually. There's an interesting worldwide uh, consequence of this, Um, or at least I guess we saw it in France, is uh, Turkey Day, Turkey with E-Y. Which the first thing I want to ask you about is, do people actually call it, seriously call it, that incredibly ridiculous and (laughs) annoying name of Turkey Day? Yeah, I'd
1: say less than 30%. Of the time, you'll hear someone sort of jokingly say, "Have a good Turkey Day." Okay, it's so, called so Thanksgiving it's by so, most people, but yeah, it's a very it's a it's a nickname,
0: and people call it Turkey Day as a joke, like "Ha ha, it's Turkey Day." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. that's fine then. Okay, in that case, I am not annoyed. As it's
1: much. not the official name,
0: and <laughs>
1: and most people say Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, they don't say Happy. Uh, you know so this is this is something that you became aware of in in france they were they were covering thanksgiving or
0: no 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 actually well we've you know we o- obviously we've always known that you guys in the u s have this holiday called thanksgiving, and interestingly enough it's probably largely due to the fact that every single t v show portrays it. Somehow, especially uh, sitcoms, you always have the Thanksgiving, yeah. you know, so we actually know about that tradition. We would know that you have Thanksgiving and it's a holiday, you know, where you eat turkey. But we actually know a lot more of the social significance of that of that holiday because of the TV shows. Uh, Interesting. I remember seeing, you know, Friends or other shows like that where it actually was very... Um, Accurately Well I don't know about Accurately But what seemed Accurate (laughs) uh, In the portrayal of
1: It is It is like a documentary
0: No (laughs) (laughs) No but you know The fact that It's the time where You get with your friends And you get with your family And Everything stops That's another thing You know It's like I'll I'll get back to that But you get with your family And you enjoy this Long Very long weekend And it's a sort of uh, Universal Feeling Almost as much if not more than Christmas where everyone seems to be on board with that and you all do the the Turkey Day thing. Um, yeah, well, because there's no
1: religious... Uh Tie to Thanksgiving, right. even even though it's actually very religious in its roots, because it's it's commemorating the the pilgrims who were religious uh, religious people fleeing Europe because of religious oppression, and they're they're landing in America and being helped out by the native population to to have a you know a, a fall harvest meal
0: that that's what it's supposedly commemorating yeah, how, how but did that work out for the native population again
1: yeah Forget. i as i call it the reason for the season ill-prepared colonists taking advantage of the natives and giving them smallpox <laughs> but uh but that's you know that's neither here nor there in my example which is thanksgiving can be whatever you want if you you no one condemns you for for not remembering the reason for the season as long as you're thankful for something that's all that's required of you right. so it's 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 a, it's a very open holiday and i think in some ways because of that it's a it's almost more popular not more popular than christmas by any stretch but i don't i don't know it's a, it's it's more of a coming together feeling mm-hmm. than christmas which has lately become this sort of debate about, well, don't say
0: Christmas, say holiday. Oh, yeah. but
1: now you're part of the war on Christmas. You know, it's, it's become very politicized.
0: It seems like everyone loves Thanksgiving, I guess is my yeah. impression. Right. Yeah.
1: No no one says, oh, well, don't wish me a happy Thanksgiving. I'm Jewish. <laughs> you know, that's it's Thanksgiving yeah. for everybody. It doesn't no, matter usually... who you are, Muslim, atheist, Jewish, uh, furry, doesn't matter. <laughs> Thanksgiving is for all.
0: I guess the, the, the only people that would say don't wish me a happy Thanksgiving would be maybe the French or maybe everyone who's not well, American. Well, yeah, right. But
1: <laughs> but you also wouldn't do that. It's, it's like, oh, well, what? you're not You don't here, think
0: uh, I'm worthy of your wishing <laughs> me a Thanksgiving?
1: I'm very thankful
0: for you, okay. Patrick. Um,
1: and now but, I've offended you by being thankful.
0: <laughs> but um, the other thing, uh, there are two other things. But the other thing is, it seems like I only... This year, I've realized how big, not just a celebration it is, but also a holiday. Everything stops on the, you know, the the Wednesday before, and it's basically almost like a, a Christmas, a month before Christmas. Yeah. And... I you know I know that a lot of people often say oh the french they're always on holiday they never work blah 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 it's like you have two christmases what are you talking about
1: <laughs> Well yeah that, that's the little we get Well, you get the entire month of august you know we we get 2 <laughs> days at the end of november so come we don't on get let, the entire give us a break
0: month of we, and you you get vacation in august don't you No Well i mean we, not in august but like how many weeks of vacation do you get most
1: companies give employees around 2 weeks of vacation a year.
0: And but that's when you first get into the company, doesn't it grow No, that's about-
1: that's pretty much I mean sometimes it's it's less than that when you first get into a company, but it's it's around 2 weeks. If you've been with a company for a long long time, you might get up to 3 weeks.
0: Wow. Okay. And is the week of Christmas separate from that or if you want to be off for the week of christmas usually
1: you're given the 25th off uh, separate from your vacation sometimes you're given the 24th off uh and you're given the first off okay so there yeah there's there's some holidays yeah but
0: that's yeah that's bank holidays it's different i mean you don't get like a week off during christmas you know most companies no absolutely not okay then fine cnet
1: cnet And I don't know if CBS has continued this since I left, but CNET shut down between Christmas and New Year's because it saved them money. How so? Because there really isn't a lot of work that is done in that week. Mm -hmm. And so they realized, well, if we just tell everyone to stay away, we can we can lower the heat. We we reduce the electrical footprint uh, and we save so much money on 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 facilities that. Just give the mm. give the stuff away. People work from home. It's not we don't see a productivity
0: dip. So oh, so you they you're not coming into the office, but you still work from home. Well, it's
1: one of those things where like you know we're shut down between Christmas and New Year's, so don't come into work. But of course, stuff happens. You know, mm. people answer emails. They're not working right. per se, but work yeah. just
0: kind of never stops and since there's probably not a lot of news in that department maybe
1: yeah and the the mm. well the news the news people do come in they have to uh because mm. because you know the news has to be changed every day but sure you know the sales people the the facilities people the you know the the folks that are in the non-daily parts of the content uh system so, all the engineers and programmers and all sure. that yeah
0: so effectively, you only get two weeks a, a year. That's horrible.
1: You'd probably get effective three weeks with all the bank holidays. Oh type yeah, stuff. but
0: that, those are you know separate because uh, we right. also get those. Um, oh yeah,
1: no. There's there's usually only there's two weeks of vacation that you can pick, and there's about a about a week of bank holiday.
0: But see, there's I have to be a little bit front and defend our system though, uh-huh. um, because honestly, only two weeks is really really low. As you were saying, you know we get five weeks. Um, plus all the bank holidays and other stuff, even. Um, but on the other hand, we still have a lot of, you know, we still have the same amount of work to do. So there are many studies that show that the French are actually more productive in these hours these that French they do studies? work. No, well, maybe, <laughs> but um, it's. I mean, there is more. You know, we still have the same amount of work to do. It's not like. Yeah. magically a car doesn't get you know gets uh, built faster because you have less uh, you have more vacation you still have to do that amount of work um, I don't know I guess there is I'm going into assumption land so I'm going to stop um, well, and I'm gonna...
1: the dirty little secret is that you give people time off but you don't reduce their workload right I mean we were all talking about that earlier this week at TWIT when we did two extra episodes of tech news today and we recorded ipad today early and like all of our thursday and friday shows we recorded them earlier yeah. in the week so essentially yeah. i mean it wasn't quite the same amount of work as we would do but essentially we weren't we were just stacking up all our work at the beginning of the week so that we could take two days off
0: yeah exactly that's the kind of thing i'm talking about and it's not, sure it was it, it wasn't the same shows and and you know tnt was like you had the uh uh, email i mean uh, incoming special and uh, stuff like that, but it, it's you still manage to produce the same amount of shows, so you effectively i mean i guess my qu- if I had to put this into the form of a question, it would be is there it's i 'm answering my own question because I know the answer there 's a lot of stacking of slacking going on in every office in the world and sure. I'm guessing that probably in France, since we have let's say, I don't know, twenty or thirty percent more holidays, we get twenty or thirty percent less slacking because we have work to do. So
1: No, you just you just organize your slacking better
0: (laughs) and have it have it done on official days off. (laughs) Exactly,
1: yeah. Yeah. I I I also think there's there's something to be said for the mental break of knowing you have days off. Mm. You know, it refreshes your mind. Much better than sort of just slacking off slowly. Where you kind of feel slightly guilty that you, you know, it's it's better to give people time off and let them refresh their brain, even if they have to do a lot of work to prepare for it. Uh, Anytime I go on vacation, when I come back, I'm I'm absolutely in a different state of mind than I was when I left. Sure, because I've given my brain a chance to reset, and I, I think that's undervalued companies the u.s has this protestant work ethic still this tradition of if you're not working you're lazy
0: yeah and i think what you're proposing is more holidays for the workers in the u.s and that's a socialist uh view so you draw your own conclusion
1: well it depends do i want the government to mandate the holidays or am i saying that businesses should determine on their own that it is in their best interest to give their employees were. Well,
0: I'm sure it's the case now. I'm sure if your employer wanted to give you five weeks of holiday, they would. They could. It's not like the government would. Well, come you don't. In and C- say CNET that actually me. was.
1: CNET was very unusual in that respect. Like I mentioned, they shut down between Christmas and New Year's, which a lot of companies, in fact, when CBS came in, they immediately said they weren't going to do that, and everyone complained, <laughs> uh, and they
0: relented. I like the the microsecond pause between everyone yeah. and complained. It's like everyone complained yeah
1: and and so they reinstituted it they said they'd review it each year to see if it was still worth it mm. but what cnet also did that cbs got rid of cb or cnet would give you an extra week of vacation if you kept your vacation balance less than 40 hours and again the reason for that was it cost them money on their balance sheet to have all this vacation because when you quit or if you were laid off they had to pay out all that vacation. Right. So it was in their best interest, again, to encourage you to keep less than 40 hours on the books. Mm. So you uh, you would get three weeks of vacation a year at CNET if you kept your vacation balance less than 40 hours at the end of every year. Oh,
0: interesting. And see, I guess I'm getting back to the, it doesn't cost, it's not more efficient to do it like this because it's not like... Your country has a perfect budget balance. You know, you're also heavily in debt, and you also have a budget that is absolutely not balanced. So I'm not sure. But that's the, value the government.
1: I mean, vacation time doesn't necessarily have an effect on on how responsibly the government spends its money. I
0: I'm not sure it do, it doesn't because you pay if you take more vacation, you get, you know, it's a more taxing uh, environment for the companies because they get less. You know, I'm sure that what the people would, what the um, right wing would say is if you give people more vacation, you would get less work done and it would be more costly for the companies. Isn't that the reason you don't get more vacation?
1: Yeah, but I don't think that has to do with the budget deficit. Uh, It's a pretty... Indirect line from one to the other. Yeah, I, okay. I suppose you could say that giving more vacation might improve the economy because it would improve productivity, or vice versa. Uh, well, that's exactly uh, and, what and it if is. If you have a better it? economy, you have. But the, frankly, the budget deficit is caused by uh, the recession in in two thousand eight and and a limping economy. I don't. I don't know that. Vacation what, what I'm really saying is, it's not
0: it. like it's not like because of. Of course, it's easy to single out this one. Uh, thing, but I'm I'm talking as a general societal direction that you're taking, which is more to the right than what we do in in Europe and in France in general. Um, it's not like society is working so much better that this is a clearly superior way of approaching. Oh, sure, sure. You know, no, it doesn't prove it yeah. the other way. Absolutely. That's that, I, I mean, guess the that's argument my point. is We're that we have.
1: The argument is that the United States is more productive and more innovative than other countries. We could argue whether that's true or not, but that—that's usually the assertion. Is we well, look at the United States, we have the most efficient, productive, and innovative society. Uh, and it's because of our low tax rates, our vacation right. policy, our work ethic, blah, 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 You know, it goes on and on and on. I guess that's it, usually the way that argument runs.
0: Yeah, I guess it's, it's pretty easy to see the validity in the argument of at least innovation. I mean, I've had very long discussions with, I can't remember if that's happened in, in, uh, in this show, but uh, discussing the, the innovation factor of the U.S. And the fact I, you that. You know why I think that is. Uh, Sure, go ahead. Uh,
1: Because all of the crazy people left Europe and came to the United States. And crazy people are more innovative by nature because they're willing to think like crazy people instead of rationally and say, oh, well, that's, that would never be possible. You know, they, They're mm. like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm manic. And then they actually, in some cases, make it happen. In other cases, they end up in an institution. But you know, <laughs> Europe sort of had this selection bias where all the risk takers left to go explore the new world and so you mm. end up with a with an entire country full of people who are willing to take risks.
0: It's yeah, I guess it's possible. I think the the reason I would give, if there is one, would be more the enabling of the. It's two things. It's easier to enab- to to go ahead and do something in the U.S. That's I think true, and also um, it's necessity in. F- in France and in maybe other social, it's a combination of several things. But in France, if you're not, uh, if you're not providing for yourself, the government will probably provide for you in different ways. So, of course, you're not going to go to the extreme that you're actually going to need to get money for everything you do. But you have the cush- the cushion that mm-hmm. will. You know, in, in in the U.S., if you are laid off and you don't uh, have health insurance, then you're really really uh, in trouble. So you have to go out and do something. Maybe you wouldn't have done otherwise, or do something daring. Um, I kind
1: of feel like that argument can work the other way too, though. Which is, well, if theoretically, I have a yes. safety net, yeah. I may quit my job to pursue my crazy idea. Because I know I have yes, a safety but- net. But if I don't, I'm going to stay in my mm-hmm. boring job doing my boring things because I'm worried that I would get laid off and lose my health insurance if I r- yeah. risked it all to pursue my crazy idea.
0: I think in theory that's true. I think – but in, in reality, it doesn't really happen. I mean it's very easy to do generalizations but I seem to, to, to see that in reality, things usually don't work out that way. Um, and I think there's another aspect which is very important, which I, I sort of s- started really seeing uh, when I uh, started dating the girl who's now my fiancé, who is Finnish. It's the importance of Protestant uh, work ethics, which are a constant drive for you to not abuse the system. There are things mm-hmm. like in in France when you're laid off, and I'm sure you know other. Less honest French people would tell you that that's not true. But trust me, it does happen very often. When you're laid off, you take it easy for a few months. You know, you have a year and a half of unemployment benefits, sometimes more. Um, So you're not going to start looking for work immediately at all. You can take three, six, nine months to relax and Maybe try something, but mostly, you know, stay on your couch and play the PlayStation. And, um, in, in, at least in, in Scandinavia, it seems like that would be almost an unthinkable sin or something. And, uh, they, when you're laid off, oh my God, you find a new job now. Right. But, and they've got a huge safety net. Oh yeah, even bigger, even larger than ours. I mean, in in Scandinavia, they have they are even more socialist than we are in France. And I was wondering why does it work so much better? And I think that one of the elements of the answer is that Protestant work ethics thing.
1: So. Yeah, it's a well, it's a culture, it's a cultural thing and i i don't know if it's because of weather but more <laughs> the more northern you are in the in the northern hemisphere of, of the world anyway the more northern you are uh the more likely you are to to have that that driven work ethic and the more southerly you are uh the more likely you are to have a, a you know sort of embrace life and enjoy things uh ethic.
0: yeah and it's i guess it does make sense right it's like you're if you don't you know Work too hard in, in, I'm going to say Spain, but it's (laughs) hard and you're, no, but you're comfortable anyway. You know, it's hard. You're going (laughs) to. You don't have to worry (laughs) about putting
1: provisions aside for the winter. Exactly.
0: Whereas in in the north of Finland, if you do that, winter comes and you die frozen and uh, hungry. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's, but it's very difficult for me to accurately judge which one is better because I really, really think that it's important for everyone to enjoy their life. And I don't think that even if you have a job you love, which is my case, it's it's if if I just had two weeks out of the year where I could do something different on that day, I think I would be somewhat unhappy. And is worth is is life really worth living if you're not going to be happy? It's like
1: that calorie diet where it's like, hey, you'll live a long time if you restrict your calories to this really (laughs) low amount. And you're like, yeah, but I'll be miserable. I'll be hungry all the time.
0: (laughs) I guess it is. And on that note, I'm going to McDonald's. Um, All right. Last thing I I wanted to mention about uh, Turkey Day. Boy, we veered off of that uh, topic quite a bit.
1: Well, this Phileas Club is not Turkey Day (laughs) because we haven't had turkey
0: on. However, in France, uh, we did have Black Friday, kind of.
1: And oh, it was, oh, really?
0: Well, not exactly. So here's what's happening. You obviously have had Black Friday forever.
1: Pretty much. I mean, it's, it's really only been in the past decade or less that it's blown mm-hmm. up as huge as it is in the U.S. now. But but it's always been there. It's all, the, the day right. after Thanksgiving has always been a, a shopping day.
0: And we didn't really, you know, that's the kind of thing that we don't even, we didn't even really know back then, you know, 10 years ago. And the reason why we're so aware of it now is that you have a lot of very successful uh, companies that have web stores. And they do these promotions in the U.S. And, of course, it's a, a somewhat centralized Uh, administration of the store so they're like okay we're gonna gonna have that much off of these and these items in the in the store in the u.s let's do the same everywhere so we actually have lots of pretty cool deals going up on the websites um in france too so we effectively have a portion of your black friday without i guess the portion that doesn't involve you know being trampled um i'm sorry. It'd be noir, right? <laughs> Vendredi noir. Oh, I feel like that's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Vendredi noir. I feel like that's something, some important date in history or something. <laughs> well, if it is it's fun. Not, well,
1: Black Friday is named after the, the the Black Friday and the stock market crash, which I always. Oh find well, there you go. I there mean, you that's, go. That's what Black Friday originally refers to is is the stock market crash in the twenties.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I knew that rang rang a bell. Yeah. So that's. A fantastic name so explain to me this how do how is it how does it make sense for someone to get up at four in the morning be in the queue with a million other people get trampled when the doors open for thirty dollars off a three hundred dollar you know vacuum cleaner
1: it doesn't it goes back to what i said about all the crazy people left other parts of the world <laughs> and came here uh I mean, and it's not even four in the morning anymore. It's midnight. Tons of stores were open at midnight. In fact, I saw the madness beginning to descend on Thursday night. I was up, sitting on the couch next to Eileen. She's looking online, seeing these sales at one of the clothing stores she likes, and realizing, oh, they're, they're right down the highway, just a couple stops, and they're opening at midnight. You know, and I was like, are you thinking of going? She's like, I don't know. Like... Yeah, it, it, it just you start to get kind of caught up in the hype, mm. like oh, but it's forty percent off, and then of course she very logically started to realize, well, wait a minute, you know, I can get the same deals by ordering online. Sure. Yeah, I got to pay a little shipping, but I don't have to deal with the madness of all these people, you know, going crazy. Mm. Uh, but it it sucks you in. I think I think it's it's not so much the savings and the deals. As it is the spectacle of it, right I mean you, you get to tell the story of how you were there with all these people. it's like an event, mm-hmm. and you get to talk about, and I got this you know amazing, I got this five thousand dollar TV for two thousand
0: dollars, or you is know it, I got this so are the deals really that good because if it's, if it's that these kinds of prices, I can understand it if it's well, you know you know what they do.
1: Is they'll they'll make a crazy deal like a thousand dollar five thousand dollar TV was a horrible example and a thousand okay. dollar TV for two hundred dollars I, I saw that deal okay. but they'll they have, have five two of, of them. them yeah right exactly. so only and that's why people go and get in line because you have to be the first in mm. to get the five of those that they have on hand it's all loss leader right they have these limited deals sure. that get you in for the the more regular like twenty percent thirty percent off everything in the store. Mm.
0: That seems like something I would never do, but uh, who knows? Have you ever done it? You know, when I was a kid,
1: we always went to Famous Bar, which was a department store in St. Louis. <laughs>
0: Very. They opened
1: at yeah. the un- un- that crazy hour of seven a.m., uh, <laughs> and we would go and go to the. They'd take one whole floor and turn it into like an animated winter wonderland. Uh, So as little kids, we'd go through there and we'd we'd see visit Santa at the end and get some toys. And then my mom would go shopping. So that that was that was Black Friday in the 70s and and early 80s. Uh, Now that it's become this crazy thing, I've never done it. I've never done the like go to the store at four in the morning. I've never gone out. I don't think I've even gone shopping on Friday in probably 20 years. Uh, on, on that Friday, that particular Friday, and mm-hmm. yesterday, I I set out not to spend any money all day because we didn't leave the house except to take the dogs for a walk. I did spend four dollars because I got to the end of my uh, Walking Dead comics that i had been meaning to catch up on, and so I had to spend. I had to buy the new one. Um, yeah, that, I think so I made one fair. online purchase that was in no way related to the sales. But
0: yeah, I, I, <laughs> was I it like a away. rule you you said to yourself? I will not spend a single dollar on anything, and nah, if we don't it wasn't, have it any. Wasn't that
1: quite, it wasn't quite that dogmatic. Okay. I just, I, I, planned ahead, bought groceries so that we wouldn't have to go anywhere. We could just like chill at home, which we never get to do. Uh, and then I realized in the morning, like, hey, you know what? I won't have to spend any money today. Hmm. But then I did.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: I had to spend two ninety nine
0: for the new Walking Dead. What did you <laughs> think, by the way?
1: Oh, I, I love that comic. Um, the comic far exceeds the television show. In my oh, opinion. Oh,
0: thank you, sir. I've I've had a. I actually I think I commented on a comment you did on uh, on Facebook or something. Yeah. Um, a few weeks ago, I made a comment on Google Plus. About the fact that the walking why well, we're veering away from uh, the Felix Club But that's okay We'll keep it short and then we're done Welcome to the TV-licious <laughs> <laughs> But um, I said that the, the, the first season of the TV show was great Except for the last two episodes So basically two-thirds were really good And the, the, the beginning of the second season Really was basically like a subpar zombie movie on TV. Yeah. And that was so 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 much you know, so not as good as the the comic which is incredible that I was uh, inviting everyone to read the comic and because it was so far better than uh, than than the TV show and Veronica uh, Belmont uh, was very angry with me because she loved the TV <laughs> show. And uh, Robert Justin Young uh, also commented that he loved it and that he, he said, uh, you know, Kirkman was saying that it was so much better like this because he didn't kill Shane. And, oh, sorry, spoiler. Um, he didn't yeah. kill Shane and it was so much better because it would allow him to develop, blah, 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 whatever. And now, a few weeks later, uh, Robert Justin Young is saying, oh, the TV I love is that you're horrible. calling him Robert
1: Justin Young.
0: Yeah. <laughs> because he always Young. calls
1: other people the wrong name.
0: He does, yeah. Um, it's it's Justin Robert, yeah. Justin, oh, sorry, I, yeah. Because see, but I don't, don't don't let that stop you. Keep calling I, yeah, him Robert. Okay. Robert, hey Bob. So Bob Young <laughs> um, <laughs> is, is he posted something on Google Plus or something, and he was saying, you know, the show is incredibly slow and it's horrible, and I I don't like it all that much anymore. And now I'm starting to like it a little bit more because it's coming back to what the comic is. So yeah. I'm happy to that I see felt like this
1: last reading. episode last Sunday they finally started to feel like the comic
0: mm. book again because it's really a, a comic about people not really about zombies right. so and the TV show was becoming about an adventure thing not a a a relation thing well, the rela- it was all about
1: relations, but they were really boring relations that yeah. w- were entirely predictable, not yeah. not groundbreaking like, okay, different people have been thrown together under extreme stress and how will they react, which is what I like about the common. Agreed.
0: And, uh, yeah, so I think – I'm actually uh, thinking I should have a discussion with Bob, Bob Young, um, about <laughs> this because – I think the we should
1: have you on Framerate. Brian Brushwood and I uh, talk about Walking Dead pretty much every week.
0: Oh, sure. You know, I've actually never listened to Framerate, so I'll go and uh, download a couple of episodes.
1: Yeah, I, think- um, I, don't know if we, I don't think we did it this past episode because we ran short on time, but mm-hmm. we will do what's called the spoiler zone at the right. end of Framerate so that anybody who hasn't watched the series can stop and not get spoiled, and then we'll mm. just go into what we thought of the, the recent episodes.
0: Cool. Oh, I'd love to be on that show. All right, I guess this is going to be the end for uh, this show. It it was slightly um, shorter than our usual shows, but not not by much. Um, But it was still very enjoyable to have you on, Tom. Thank you so much for waking up early after only a few days after the giant stuffing of turkey uh, (laughs) festival. Um, Can you tell me and the fine folks listening uh, where they can find you when you're not on this show?
1: Sure. Uh, I'll be at home. <laughs> no, uh, my website is TomMerritt.com, two R's, two T's. Uh, so there's a, a page there where you can find all the shows that I do if you're, you're curious uh, and want to subscribe or, or just check them out, like Frame Rate, for instance. Uh, I'm, the, the big one that I'm doing now that I'm really enjoying is with uh, Robert Justin Young called FSL Tonight. Uh, it's probably not that appealing. Oh, is to it
0: your your uh, fantasy league? It's thing? a fa-
1: it's a it's a sports league cre- uh, made up of uh, teams in the world of sci fi and fantasy. So Mordor, Alderon, oh Ronos. I'm sorry, Vulcan. you're
0: going to have to detail that a little bit more. What? Uh, so yeah, you have the- like fantasy people. Yeah, football. so you
1: know, Luke Skywalker hasn't been getting played for the Alderaan Rebels uh, recently. It's been a lot of controversy, and the ownership just made a change. Fired Obi-Wan Kenobi, struck him down, and uh, Yoda is taking over Skywalker's training uh, and, <laughs> and managing the team.
0: I don't think I need to add anything to that. Yeah. Uh, and That's the at one-
1: FSLtonight.com. So TomMerritt.com and uh, on Twitter. Uh, go to Tom Merritt on Twitter, and you can find out what my actual Twitter name is there
0: the mystery will be uh, very (laughs) enjoyable for you Uh, well thank you very much and uh, to everyone listening I will uh, thank you also for listening to the show and I will tell you that we will be back at the end of December for a new one so please tune in talk to you soon bye
1: Of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogtents.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.